Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, a wild week seven it was. I have one very important question to ask for you. Did you keep it clean with Dixieland Delight? I, so I was trying to record it for for us. I mean, I'm going to let you guys answer that yourselves. You, there's no way Uncle Chris would say bad words or get... Never. A little too excited on game day, especially when he's in his element in Tuscaloosa. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I'll say. It was awesome. Uh, we will get to all things no, Alabama, the Tua, injury, that's, <laughs> the Tua injury that probably stopped your heart as well as every other Alabama fan on the planet. Uh, LSU Georgia, of course. Um, Ed Talks, a happier Ed Talks this week. Good for that. Really good day. Um, before we do that, though, we got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Ticket City. Uh, maybe you use Ticket City this weekend to see one of the great games that we had in the SEC. I know I kind of poo-pooed the week slate last week heading into it, but it actually turned out to be a whole lot of entertaining games, down-to-the-wire games. Um, but maybe use Ticket, Ticket City to go uh, to go see some of that. Um, SDS, though, is once again excited to be partnering with Ticket City for all their Ticket City, for all of their ticket needs. I can't speak today. Uh, Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they're going to get you the best prices. We're going to get you an even better price. All you got to do is use that promo code CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off your tickets now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday for week eight or for later in the season. I have to say the weeks uh, at a whisper now for the rest of the year. for me. I feel like, okay. I I appreciate that. That's nice. Uh, But yeah, make sure you're getting all your tickets now on Ticket City. Maybe Georgia fans were using Ticket City because there were a whole lot of Georgia fans at Tiger Stadium on Saturday. I'm sure LSU fans made some good money selling those tickets on on the secondary market. I, man, I, I that that'd be kind of the win-win for you if you're an LSU fan. But we're, we got to lead with with LSU Georgia, the big game, the top 15 showdown in the SEC. Just as I, oh predicted. my god, see, I just was, I'm going through the notes I, on this, and I, I the first thing I see, I was like, oh yeah, LSU Georgia, obviously the big like marquee matchup of the day, and it took two lines, two lines. Uh, no, it, I'm sorry, it actually it was, took it was one. one. LSU destroys one. Georgia. Dot dot dot. I hate to say I told you so. Well, you also said Ken, that Mississippi State was okay. Yeah, sorry. Wait. Whoa. 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 We're we're in mid October. Mississippi State is one to go one and zero against top ten teams, <laughs> and still technically um, able to win ten games this season. Doesn't matter who they've lost to. Uh, but no, obviously LSU just destroyed Georgia and played. I'll, I'll say this. It is played better than I thought LSU. Without would. a doubt. Yeah. And it is nice of you to jump on this bandwagon that I've been. Um, you know, basically. Spearheading since what, July? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh whoa, yeah, whoa, whoa. oh yeah! Whoa, whoa! You don't Let's, remember that right. deep dive on Joe Burrow's high school stats in July? I I provided many of those it's, stats it's, as well. I was true. I was providing the intel it, as soon as Joe Burrow not, transferred. I need to suck up to I, LSU fans before I, before I, the, the trip in a few weeks. Yes, because uh, we we are hoping to be uh, in in Baton Rouge for that. That's not official yet, is it? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? What's ever official? Regardless, yeah, LSU uh, looks. I mean, it was. I kept thinking at some point Georgia was going to establish a little bit of an offense or, you know, like just put the clamps down on defense like they always do. And, you know, Joe Burrow, like, <laughs> he looked looked a lot better. Still managed to – I mean, like, when he throws for 
that's his sweet spot. You can't complete too many passes. Exactly. Like he did last week. You, I mean, it's he's gonna tire himself out. Mm-hmm. It's like when you get like a little like a, a puppy outside, like gets a little tuckered out. <laughs> that's basically what happens to Joe Burrow. <laughs> Go figure, though, that Joe Burrow completes exactly 50% yeah. of his passes and was brilliant in this game. Did all the little things, I thought, with he was automatic on fourth down, and that was four a big topic of discussion. Yeah, fourth, four for four on fourth downs, and he said afterwards, he's like, you know, if you just have the right mindset on fourth down, you're going to get it every single time. And Joe Burrow has the winning mindset. LSU fans who weren't in love with him before, maybe they're a little bit frustrated after his performance against Florida, Y'all got yourself a quarterback because that dude is a gamer. He is just he is. so gritty. Some of the runs that he had, the long run that he had to get into Georgia territory was was huge. He was big, I thought, all game long. And go figure, his counterpart, Jake Fromm, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country, like I kind of was hinting at the other day, was overwhelmed by that LSU pressure. Looked like he had not seen a defense before that had played at that speed. And Jake Fromm held to less than 50% passing. That Tiger defense was Good. Yeah, real and, and good. You, like you hit the nail on the head. Like I think on Wednesday's podcast, and when you said they haven't had to play to this level, exactly. And you know, I think we referenced it before. Like you know, the, you brought up like the 2016 Bama season when they had, like hadn't played anybody, they'd blown everybody out the entire year, and they get to the Clemson game and they're you know in a dogfight. That's kind of how this was. I mean, Georgia hasn't had to play anyone like with this caliber of elite, especially on defense, talent across the board. And when you are, you know, combining that with the atmosphere and going to Death Valley, and, you know, I, I was like, sick brag, on the uh, 1280 AM sports radio show in NOLA on Friday, and I brought up the fact that, like, there's no better person in the country to, like, motivate a team coming off a loss when you are at home and you're an underdog in Death Valley than Coach O. Absolutely, and Foster Foster, uh, Foster Morrow had a great quote afterwards. Uh, Cody Warsham tweeted this out. Um, about just the the mindset of Coach O and how everybody kind of treats him. And we you know we have fun with Coach O just because of the accent. We do Ed talks and stuff like yeah. that. But just the the fact that people still aren't respecting him as as a great coach, he said it bothers people in that locker room because Foster Foster Morrow basically made the point of like yeah we have these coordinators who make a lot of money and who have this you know this pressure to get the game yeah. plan ready. But there is nobody in the country that he said that they would rather have than Coach O to be able to motivate them and get them ready to go mentally, physically, all of those things. And it shows. I mean, this is an LSU team now that has three wins against top yeah. fifteen or against top ten teams. And by the way, all three of those games, LSU came in as underdogs and they right. walked out as winners. And to me, the the takeaway, the big takeaway from this game is obviously LSU is is a legit playoff contender, and we know this game. This is going to come down to the Alabama game, but we've kind of, there are certain people I think who were dismissing them after what they did at Florida last right. week and saying, all right, confirmation bias. LSU is just going to be this eight nine win team. No 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 no. This team is battle tested. There's no doubt in my mind they should be the top ranked one loss team in the country. And you could make the argument that they have the best. I mean, they have the most quality wins of anybody in the yeah, country. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, I mean, and I brought up, like, the other day, like, we were talking, like, again on that show, you know, last week LSU goes to Florida and loses a, a really close game. I mean, I get there was an eight-point difference because, you know, they had the pick six late, but a really close game between two pretty evenly matched schools and, and teams. Right. And the same with Kentucky and A&M. And I, I brought up the fact that if those games were played at home for LSU or maybe at home for Kentucky, I feel like both teams are evenly matched to where it might have been a different turnout. Like, LSU, I still think, is a better team than Florida. And, you know, it just goes to show you, like, I think a lot of people wrote them off 
before the season, obviously. But then after yep. they lost to Florida, just kind of expecting like what these like I guess preconceived like ideas and notions about them like before the season started. They're a good football team. Coach O does deserve a lot of credit for this. And there's not a lot of teams, I feel like, especially in the SEC, like where you go like every Saturday, you play for your team, you play for your school, and you, there's a lot of pride in that. But there's no other team, at least I think in the SEC, that the players will absolutely go to war for their coach. At, like, I mean, they, they, they love that dude. LSU hasn't lost a game in October since, what, 2009 or something like that? I mean, it's, that, that stat is, is unreal. I, I, I still can't get that. over that. Yeah, um, another weird stat that came out of this, um, I can't remember who, who tweeted this out, but I thought this was an incredible stat, and I apologize for forgetting who had this, but um, that former assistants, former LSU assistants, when they returned to LSU, to Tiger Stadium, as head coaches are now 0-11. Really? Which is unreal to think about. You know, Kirby Smart, we were talking about how he was on that 2004 yeah. staff that had Will Muschamp, Jimbo Fisher, and Nick Saban. And Derek Kirby Kelly, Smart... To the bleachers. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Uh, but Kirby Smart, um, I think a lot of Georgia fans were kind of questioning some of his logic in this one with the quarterback situation and the handling of Justin Fields, putting him in there for a play here, a play there. I think... There were certain groups of Georgia fans who wanted to just see Justin Fields get a shot. Yeah. And then there were others who were like, why are they just bringing him in for, for one play? Keep Jake Fromm in there. Let him have a chance because he's your best chance to come back and win this right. game. He said in hindsight afterwards, obviously it's easy to question now how it was handled because they couldn't get the offense going and doing anything. But did you were you a fan of the way that Kirby handled this quarterback situation? I wasn't a fan of how they coached the entire game. I thought the whole thing was, was a Whoa. very below average job. And like... Remember, we, we brought up on Wednesday, I was like, I hope Coach O doesn't, like, you know, overthink it and try to do too much, like the fake field goal that Georgia had. Um, they just... It was a less miles move. It, it was. a total less miles move. It was, move. and it was just like, and LSU was prepared for that, and, like, you know, you got to tip your cap, and not everything always, like, goes off the way you had it planned and drawn up. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't think he did a good job at all here. And I, honestly, I felt like maybe, I don't know about the team, but at least, the, like, the attitude of the fan base was a little bit overconfident going into it and maybe not like respecting LSU as much. But yeah, I, I mean, and this is going to be a tough situation moving forward because from, I've never seen him look this bad. I, I've never seen him play this bad in the game. And I would, I would probably agree with that. Even though the interception that Christian Fulton had was ridiculous. I have no idea how he came up right. with that. That's a heck of a play for your first career interception. But yeah, Jake Fromm did not look like himself and he looked shook. I mean, I think yeah. I, th I saw that comment throughout the game was, Jake Fromm looked overwhelmed. That was why I wanted to talk about this a lot because he is still yet to be uh, as accomplished as he is. And I'm a big Jake Fromm fan, but he is still yet to go into a top 15 venue right. on the road and win. And he looked much like he did against Auburn last year where it just looked like the speed kind of got to him. And I thought that Georgia sort of deviated from its running game a little bit too much when they were picking up some steam early. Elijah Holyfield, that run he had was, wow. oh my gosh. I, I the poor LSU defender who just got bowled over by Rest him. He was, he, yeah, because he is no longer with us. Right. He and DeAndre Swift really, I thought, got going early on, and they, they sort of deviated from him. And they, they were so, Jim Chaney was so insistent on trying to establish the pass that you kind of forget that your running game actually looked really good, and they came out ready yeah. to go. And I thought that that was sort of a misstep on Georgia. That game could have gone differently had they stuck to that game plan. And there, there were a few plays that if they go like you know one way or like things go like in Georgia's favor, yeah, it's a totally different outcome. I mean, Fromm had Michael Hardman, I mean, with two steps on the defender early in the first quarter. Wide and open. I mean, it was like, oh, and he throws a great deep ball. I, I, I don't think I've seen him 
really miss on that as much. You know, like, that's a difficult throw, but, oh, man. And, you know, that could change the outcome of the game. But it seems like they kind of lost their composure. Like, everyone. Like, everyone involved. Like, the, the dilly-dilly or filly-filly uh, trick play. The two yeah, that conversion. did not work out. I don't know why he kept the ball. Like, why did he keep the yeah. ball? The pitch was there. That's not a it, read. Yeah. I don't, it made no sense. Yeah, um, and and there were other things. I mean, you, the 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 sack that Fromm took when it was I think sixteen to three in that game, right. where he just deep in in you know, you end up getting out of field goal range, and you're just like you can't have a play like that in that big of a game. Yeah. But Georgia is still in a situation. Georgia and LSU are both in the situation where they control their own destiny. Yeah. If they win out, they're in the playoff. This doom, this SEC three team playoff that Dan Wolken threw out there. Um, <laughs> your best friend Stay Dan Wolken. Uh, yeah, still not sure exactly. Uh, I, I don't think that that has a chance of happening. My favorite part about his tweets on Saturday is that he always sprinkles in, it's like, it's like all football, football, and then it's like, by the way, this women's tennis match is going on. You're like, what? What? Where did that come from? I'd tell you what I was honestly... How many TVs you got yeah, going on there? Right. I'd tell you what I was uh, really surprised by was the fact they were held only 16 points and nine going into the, the, uh, the fourth quarter. Georgia. This is a, a Georgia team averaging 42 points per game, yeah. and we question some of the the offensive, um, just the offensive consistency of Georgia not being able to really establish establish its will and impose its will on, on a team. Yeah, it just did not happen. And and I thought that uh, if you're Georgia, all right, this is a, a back to the drawing board game. I mean, everybody talks about how last year they got killed by Auburn, and they still end up winning an yeah. SEC championship, playing in a national championship. So that's obviously, if you're a Georgia fan, what you're holding on to. LSU, Georgia, very much in the hunt. I think there are a total of five SEC teams, if you include Florida, if you include Kentucky and Alabama, still obviously, that are technically don't don't do that. <laughs> That are technically still alive for a playoff spot, and, but and LSU. This like, and I, I mean, to interrupt, but like, sometimes losses like this are the best thing that can happen to you in a season. You know, Georgia needed this, I think. And, and now they go into a bye week before they they play Florida. Like, you know, I know a lot of UGA fans are probably pretty upset and pretty bummed, and like, there's absolutely no reason to have like a panic or freak out or like lose a lot of confidence. Like, yeah, there's a, definitely some questions need to be answered, but this could not have this loss could have come at a better time. We talk about Coach O a lot. Disrespect. If he gets, if, if LSU, we're not going to know the time. Uh, we're recording this at 11.45 Central or something like that. And uh, 10.45, uh, or 11.45 Eastern, 10.45 Central, because you're the future. Um, in Tuscaloosa. But if LSU is ranked anything lower than number five in the AP poll, that'll be even more disrespect for Coach O. But Coach O, last week, we, we caught you in a somber mood. Do we have Coach O with us? Yeah, he's uh, we're, I'm at an Airbnb in Tuscaloosa right now, but he actually, uh, oh, we just walked in. What's up, Coach? That, that's weird that he would make that trip, but I we, we do appreciate well, it. He's so dedicated to doing this. He loves Eggs Benedict. You love quiche. He loves yeah. Eggs Benedict. Yeah, pretty much. We're going to get a lot um, of mimosas, bottomless mimosas. Of course. Um, and then topless Coach O. That's what pretty much happens. I would expect nothing yeah. less. We talk a lot about disrespect. Your topic of discussion today is much different than last week because I imagine you're a little bit tired. You're a little bit hungover. You had yourself a good night. You know, we knew Baton Rouge was, was going to be rocking. And, of course, you enjoyed yourself. You know, it was a 3.30 win on CBS against number two team in the country. You deserve that one. Coach O, tell us how you're feeling today and can you share some knowledge Kind of cut the crap. The I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know how much time I got to add you. Come on this show. Do my intro song. So I'm gonna reintroduce myself. Don't. I apologize. Don't, don't, don't. 
it up. I own the title, it up through a little fight. Hey, hit up, hit it out. I almost came out to a different song that week by one of the greatest bands of all time, by Bahamut. Who let the dog out? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Tell you who didn't let the dog out. That's my LSU Tiger. You know, a lot of times we talk about disrespect. Disrespect start with D. I think LSU D yesterday showed up in a big way. Now, we an underdog. Three times. Three times, Connor. Magic number. Magic number. Three is every time we win outright. So a little story time for you. If you're an underdog, don't mean don't believe in yourself. Here are a few story inspiration. Noah from The Notebook. Great movie we talked about before. Yes, we have. Biggest underdogs. Uh, America. Duh. Hello. Mm-hmm. The little engine that could. Babe the pig. That movie with the bobsled with a Jamaican. Uh, go down, John Candy. Feel the riddle. Feel cool running. Cool running. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Just because you're an underdog don't mean you can't win. Every day. Every day in your life. Now, I'm sitting here at the Airbnb. A lot of, lot of nice wall art. A lot of nice little laugh love. Grace over everything. No. No. Win over everything. And that's what we keep doing. That's what we keep doing. Kind of take it away. Coach O, thank you for, for joining us. We, we were all very much uh, relieved to see that you bounced back in the way that you did after suffering such a tough loss uh, against Florida. We respect you. We're, we're, not, we're not considering LSU an underdog anymore, except against Bama, because, come on, let's, let's be honest. Everybody's I have the easy D. I what mean to me. I, great, how you spell it? How you spell it again? Oh, yes, okay, okay. I will uh, see if we can make Undertiger uh, a new word. That's the thing. Um, There's no underdog. It's Undertiger. Yeah. That's a good point. You are still in Alabama. You experienced the joy that was Dixieland Delight. It is back. That was the big headline last night, right? It wasn't. There was no uh, news about a quarterback getting injured, maybe having the entire state of Alabama um, on suicide oh, yeah. hotline. I, there, a lot of times we say stuff and we joke around, but I'm going to address this now. That we are face to face on FaceTime. I was so pissed when you sent that text out or that tweet out about how awkward it was going to be for Dixieland Delight if Tua was hurt. The coldest take of of all time. It was awesome. It was it was really it was not the injury obviously. I mean, sometimes whenever we talk like, we talk about Bama, people will I try to like be objective and all that kind of stuff. I've been going to that stadium since 1992 since I was a kid. I have never seen or heard the stadium that loud and that like electric than it was in that moment. It was awesome. It was awesome. Maybe if Nick Saban just, conspiracy I mean, theory. Yeah. By the way, just just throwing this out there. We talked about this before. Nick Saban has criticized students for leaving in the fourth right. quarter. Just saying, if he dialed up, you know, obviously Dixieland Delight, keeping it clean and all that stuff. That was in an effort to keep fans in the stadium late in the game. Throws, throws a pass to Jalen Hurts, by the way. Tua has a pass to Jalen Hurts. A seven-yard completion, which pretty much blew up the internet. Uh, um, you should have seen the fans' faces. It was like I, it was like what I imagine, like the first like caveman like ever like learning how to clap, where he was just like overjoyed. He was like, "What is this? What's happening? I can't control my hands." <laughs> that's that's like everyone's face that happened. It was, yeah, it's a pretty good play too. 
every time. It, it was run that play good. every time. They're, they're going to continue to expand that more and more. So you have that element of entertainment, and then you get this suspenseful moment of Tua going down uh, with a right knee injury. Obviously, he came into this game a little bit banged up. Saban said it wasn't going to be a problem, but he's, you know, he's wearing a brace in this game, and he ends up going to the, the medical tent, and it's this big suspenseful moment. His parents come down, Who and they're in that? the game. His and parents were like right next to me. They were in this like, like one row over. I, I never saw that. I, I don't know how they got down there so quickly. I mean, I got really irrationally pissed about this play in general because I just, I had a bad feeling like, you know, if he, he obviously, if he's well, like, feels good enough to play, let him play. But there's no reason to potentially lose him for the rest of the year. But that slide, first off, he slid like a yard past the first down marker. It was a terrible spot. It, it was, was a horrible unre- spot. And then they reviewed it while he was down and then said yeah. he was a, a down a yard beforehand. I was like, what is happening right now? And... I mean, yeah, like, I don't really know how he hurt himself on the slide. I don't, it was- I, he re-aggravated the knee is, is kind of what they were saying. And he, he, he got going quickly in the run, and then he, if you kind of watch the replay at the end of the run, it looked like he was slowing down and yeah, kind of gimping up a little bit. He didn't look like himself for most of the night. Like, he wasn't as mobile. And then Six incompletions in the first quarter. He, it was his worst game what's, of the year. I told you Missouri had a better defense. Tua? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite stat that I saw was they scored 23 seconds into the game. It was the... Third fastest. Yard touchdown it was defense. the third fastest scoring drive they've had, or uh, third fastest they've scored into a game this year. Third, 23 seconds in. Oh my gosh. Uh, Saban did say afterwards that Tua could have played in the game late. That's a nice way of deflecting. I don't, there's no way that he was getting back into that no. game at that point. That's the beauty of having Jalen Hurts, though. I mean, we. We, we've talked about this so much about the the luxury of being able to have someone like Jalen to be able to turn to in those moments. Right. And th- that's also the beauty of this whole not having to worry about the redshirt thing too because you knew there was going to be at least a moment like that yeah. this year where he was going to go out and you were going to have to say, all right, we've got, we've got to make this decision. And now that you're not having to worry about that, Nick Saban can breathe a whole lot easier knowing that that Jalen Hurts is there. And Jalen Hurts' deep ball looked pretty I good tell you in what, this I game. I think the competition actually has really, really improved his game. Like, he's so, like he's getting passing. better. Yeah. He looks good. The offense still kind of goes into a lull, but he's in there. It's, it's just it doesn't have the same like feel or like threat for like big play capability maybe as Tua does. But, yeah, he looks a lot better. He's. I, I credit Jalen Hurts for. For you, you could tell. I mean, he's he's developing in this system. Credit Mike Loxley. We don't give Mike Loxley Mike Loxley enough credit for yeah. the play calling job and what he's done to open up this passing game big time. But the passing game did lose. You you lose Henry Ruggs and you lose Demonte Smith, um, two guys that you expect to be a big part of this this passing yeah. game. Both go down in this game. Alabama fans, it, even though even if they're feeling okay about Tua moving forward. You still need those receivers to be healthy, just because of how much this offense relies right. on the passing game and, and how effective. Like, I mean, they 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 distribute the ball too. It does like so well to all those receivers. And yeah, for a while, like it was getting pretty scary there when you see rugs go down. And it, like it looked bad to me. Like it looked like it was like a hamstring. Um, there was it was it him or Smith? No, it was Smith. I thought it was a hamstring. And then rugs with the ankle. I mean, yeah, that's we're gonna need all of them. But give J- Jalen Watt- Waddle. 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 Um, give Jalen Jalen Waddle the ball a little bit. I'm sure Alabama fans would not mind seeing that. He is, of course, so explosive and so fun to watch yeah. when he gets in space. 
So Drew, one of the things that we were talking about coming into this was a chance for Drew Locke to make some money against that Alabama defense. He did not do that. I thought that his performance, he had that his touchdown pass was was awesome. Yeah. And somebody he tweeted this out. Like that's throw. he had all day to throw. And it it's that game in 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 some way sort of epitomized Drew Locke and yeah. what his NFL draft valuation is going to be because he he gets all day to make that throw and he makes a big time NFL throw yeah. that few people in the country could make. And he went through his progressions but, and his reads. That was really impressive. That's like a yeah, that's off. another that's another good point. He can do that well, and I I think that that's going to help him in the pre-draft process. The thing that's not going to help him is. Man, oh man, does he look incredibly average when he gets pressured. I've, I've, I haven't never seen him look that bad, though. That was So he threw oh. a couple of balls that, that were like just go routes, like down like on the boundary, and, and he put them in a perfect window. Like they were great, great balls. There, anytime he was pressured, I've never seen I, I mean, him, I don't know if any quarterback, that inaccurate. Getting the ball out. It's a it problem. Was really bad. And it, it became like, it seemed early on, his body language and like everything like that, it, it almost looked disinterested. It, like he just didn't know what to do. And like he got so frustrated that he was just kind of like shutting down. Like I did. Yeah, he does have a tendency to do that. He, he definitely does. And I think that's, that's what keeps him from being, in my opinion, you know, one of the two best quarterbacks yeah. in the SEC. I know Jake Fromm struggled against LSU, but I'd still take Jake Fromm over Drew Locke. And I know some people question that, but. We see the way that Drew Locke handles pressure, where he does that little backpedal thing, and he just I keeps mean, going. And you're like, you can't, you can't do that, and expect to be able to to complete passes and not turn the ball over against right. defense that good. And, and, and more so, like maybe it's just in bigger games against like better teams, but it it seems lately that about once a game he just makes a throw that you absolutely cannot make. You absolutely cannot make, and you're like, don't do this. And you can just see it coming, like, don't do that. Please don't try to do this. Don't throw across your body right at like the middle of the field. And he's like, "No, I got this. Yeah, I'm locked in." See what I did there? Oh, that was good. Boom. That was really good. Uh, Quinnen Williams basically body checked him into a safety too. That was a weird play. Yeah, that, I was I was happy, I guess, for Quinnen on the safety or whatever. Just I didn't because that was after Bama didn't get it on fourth down, and then they're like, "Oh, this is how we'll get points," and then that made it thirty-two to ten or whatever it was. Yeah, and it also uh, ended up leading to them covering the spread. Yeah, they ended, well, yeah, the one by... 28 yeah, and a half was the spread, and they, it was 29. Oh, yeah, because you didn't say that they were going to cover, and I did. Um, so, uh, <laughs> bully for you. Yeah, real quick, I, I do want to say this, just from being at the game yesterday. Um, first off, thank you, a shout-out to Roger Patrick Myers uh, for letting us go to his tailgate. It was a super nice move. It was a lot of fun. Missouri fans were awesome yesterday in Tuscaloosa. They traveled well. They were super polite. Great fans, so shout-out to them. Really, really awesome fan base. That is cool, especially for that's a lot of people are saying you know that's kind of a bucket list trip just to be able to to see number one team Alabama to to be able to travel on a road trip right. something that if you're a Mizzou fan you got to take advantage of because these crossover matchups you just kind of never know when that opportunity is going to come up um, the the play that that many are still talking about in this game uh, Raquan Davis uh, the one two punch combo that he had on the Mizzou offensive lineman uh, not his best yeah look. That, I mean, that was that was bad. That, I mean, I shouldn't say not his best look. A horrible look. He came out and apologized afterwards. But uh, in my opinion, I, I mean, it was a joke that he stayed in the game. Uh, I think that he's there's a decent chance that he ends up getting suspended for, for a game. Uh, he probably should. Uh, they, they clearly missed that. And if you kind of look from the official's angle, I actually kind of side with the official 
on the first look of why they missed that because the camera, until they showed the back view of it, you really didn't see right. how bad and how nasty that play was. But it was, um, I mean, it was uh, discipline's coming. It was embarrassing to like, watch it, like, even as a Bama fan. And there were, there were, all fan bases have like, you know, the outliers and some people that, you know, are going to make the team like look bad, I guess, or the fan base look bad. The section we were in, which was like a nice section, like we were on the 50 yard line, like lower level, the fans were just bitching and moaning the entire game about how, like the refs are like calling everything Missouri's way and blah blah, and like they obviously paid the refs. But and then you you see this at the end, it's like it's a three punch combo, like you just work in the body, like what is that? And then it, uh, ugh, that was bad, real bad. Not the best look. You were rocking the best look though yesterday with your breaking tea T-shirt. Yeah, tell us about that T-shirt you were wearing. So. We've partnered with uh, with Breaking Tea. Produce a, a fun new T-shirt. It's my new favorite shirt. It looks great. You saw that picture of me. I look fantastic. Oh, I saw. Fits you well, man. It does. Fits you well. Yeah. Um, Is that a normal thing to say? Am I allowed to say that? I mean, Fits it's, you well. It, it, you, it's sure, absolutely. I, it, it meant a lot to me. Anyway, um, yeah, fans of a lot of teams, but especially a certain team, maybe that I'm in town right now to see, love yelling things like run the damn ball, or come on, Paul, or come on, ref, or so proud of you, Nick. But run the damn ball, definitely number one on that power ranking. However, thanks to the rise of a certain young, angelic Hawaiian quarterback, uh, that's no longer needed. We don't, I mean, they don't need to run the ball anymore. So we have a fun new shirt, uh, switch it up a little bit, throw the damn ball. I wore it all day yesterday, got a lot of compliments on it. It was awesome. You can get yours today. Check out the Instagram and Twitter. I uh, posted a picture on there. Um, go to breakingt.com slash ttdb. That's breaking the letter T slash ttdb. Uh, so you can get yours today. A place in Alabama where they can either throw the ball nor run the ball is Auburn. Oh my goodness. Auburn completely falls apart uh, against Tennessee in this one. Um, this this was not something that we necessarily saw coming. Tennessee gets its first SEC win of the Jeremy Pruitt era, first SEC win since 2016, first time beating Auburn in the 21st century, all, all that stuff. Holy cow, Auburn, just when you think it can't get worse. This was a, this was a top 10 team eight days ago, and all of eight a sudden Auburn ago. is sitting there with three losses, and my goodness, this was just a, a horrendous performance by Auburn. We're going to talk about Tennessee, but... Got to at least hit on the issues of, of Auburn and, and how frustrating of a situation this has to be if you're an Auburn fan. You know, we joked around about how like, getting back on track and like the baby steps it would take to, to get there. And, you know, this is a perfect, perfect game for you. <clears throat> you know, set the bar low. Get back on track. Tennessee has not been great. They haven't won an SEC game in their last 11 games. They have a losing streak. They've lost their last game to every single other SEC school. You're at home. All the things you need to win. And Auburn's not good. Auburn's just not a good football team. And you do have to, you know, give Tennessee a lot of credit. They looked awesome yesterday. And Jared Garantano looked like, I mean, one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, if not the country. He balled. Yeah. He, that was the game of his life. And, and all of a sudden, you because you were wondering where this, this home run playability was going to come with Tennessee's offense. And credit Tyson Helton for drawing up a great game plan yeah. and getting those Tennessee receivers involved. Because I thought Juwan Jennings looked like a beast out there. He looked so reliable for, for Jared Garantano. And this is an offense that you haven't seen Tennessee look that good in a long time. And some no. of the plays that they were making against a really the good Auburn good. defense. They were flying around with the ball the entire time. I mean, yeah, 
they looked great. They looked rested. They looked rested, and they looked like a team that took that bye week and made some necessary adjustments and aren't necessarily going to be this total doormat that we thought that they were going to be uh, this season, especially after they had the, the game with six turnovers against Florida. Uh, this is a big-time victory yeah. for the Jeremy Pruitt era. And go figure, like, the last time that we saw him was after, you know, after the Georgia game where he got emotional talking about his team basically being 12 points away. He was crying, Connor, just away. say it. He was crying. <laughs> he was crying. He was crying. Uh, and he was emotional talking about his team and talking about seeing these strides that they were making. And everybody's kind of like, all right, you know, that's that's cool, but, you know, maybe wait till you see a big-time win for that to happen. And then right. the next time his team takes the field, they look much better than what we've seen from the Tennessee teams of old. So credit Jeremy Pruitt for making some big-time bi-week adjustments. Adjustments that, you know what, Gus Malzahn's not making those adjustments right now. He is. He looks as stubborn as ever, and, and as stubborn as ever. And this is a team that is... In, in a world of hurt, and it's only going to get worse in this division because those those big time showdowns are still left on the schedule. Yeah, agreed. Um, they're yeah, they're not getting the nine wins. That, that's just not happening. There's no way. And Jared Stidham, man, you know, going into this game, I think I saw a stat that he had as many or one less uh, throwing or passing touchdowns as Jalen Hurts, which is concerning considering. He's the starter of Auburn. He was a preseason yeah. All-American, and like you know, everyone thought he was going to be the, the best quarterback in the conference. There was even that that one um, prop bet where he could have been the number one player taken the uh, overall in the NFL draft. He just he's gotten worse and worse and he's worse. Regressed. It is, but like with each game, it's it's yeah, just a hold my beer moment after like, one after another. It 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 was really bad. And again, you have to give credit to, to Tennessee, but. I mean, and a lot of the problems Auburn has offensively, I think, are attributed to like the the offensive line. The offensive line is really bad, but it he's got to be better. Yeah, the the, the pass that he made, uh, where they tried to set up that like reverse throwback oh play, where he should not have thrown that ball. That play took way too much time to to develop, and for whatever reason, I, I understand that that's a bad play call, and you shouldn't necessarily be trying to make something, you, you shouldn't necessarily be in that spot in the first place, but right. you've got to know when there's nothing there. And there, that was a horrible throw uh, on that interception. He, We praise his ball security and his accuracy, and in this game, he has three turnovers, and you, you just can't do that. He, Tennessee had that scoop and score that was such a weird, strange play where it just looked like an absolute mess, and it kind of epitomized where this Auburn offense is right. at right now, where you can't even do little basic things right like you know that was I think it was one it was one rusher who came in and all of a sudden it took you know an entire Tennessee army to be able to get that ball and it turns into a Tennessee touchdown just like it, that and, and like even even when Auburn scored early on they, they went right down the field early in the first quarter but the play they scored on they just looked so I'm gonna use a big word discombobulated on offense that is a big word. I mean I don't know what it means but I, I, I have those word of the day calendars coach I was looking at it right now Take the lampshade off your head, coach. Come on. Not yet. <laughs> um, no, but, like, they, they had, I think, more than one. I think it was, like, two or three players had a false start, like, like almost a full second before the snap, and that wasn't called. But I understand you have to run your offense. I understand Gus Malzahn, you know, they run to set up the pass, and, like, a lot of this offensive, like, success is dependent upon having a quarterback that has the threat to run or at least being able to establish a run on offense. That being said, you have the skill players and the talent level on offense to drop back and throw a pass. Just run a play, like a normal play. Throw a pass between 5 and 10 yards. Forward, forward. Not to the side, not a screen pass. Not some, like, double reverse oop-de-doop. Like, every, it's, every play is like the annexation of Puerto Rico thing. Just run, a, run the football north and south. Stop throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. 
it's, I mean, what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> Come on now. I don't know. What is it? Uh, doing the same thing over and expecting the same different thing results. Over and over again, expect yeah. different results. Something like that. And of course, go figure that the one play that they, they threw was like a 15-yard pass to Schwartz, and they, he's right. like a world-class sprinter, and he turns it basically into you know an 80-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. This this is this is an Auburn team that is just uh, in, in disarray right now. And Deshaun Davis, I thought, kind of summed it up best. I, we didn't think that Auburn was going to be this bad. We thought that the the schedule was going to present them some problems. But uh, Kyle Berger tweeted this video of Deshaun Davis basically saying. Um, if I were a betting man, uh, I'd be naked under a bridge somewhere what when asked about mean? Auburn's three losses. <laughs> means he wouldn't have a lot of money because he would have gone broke saying that he didn't think Auburn would have three losses in the middle of October. Oh, That's okay. what that means. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, Uncle Chris, you, Uncle Chris, uh, should know that. There were three other games in the SEC. I know, that was a weird way to say that. I'm yeah, sorry. if I was a betting man, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd be naked. What? What a jump. There were, there were three other games uh, in the SEC. We want to do one big takeaway for each of these games. Florida and Vandy, of course. Do they have to course, be in, like, involved being naked under a bridge? Or can they? They can. I'm not going to tell you not to that's do that. That's my favorite Red Hot Chili Pepper song. So. That's a Red Hot Chili Pepper song? Yeah. Under a bridge. Under the bridge. I have a whole big rant about Red Hot Chili Peppers basically being the modern-day Steely Dan. But we don't oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a long thing that I've worked on for a very long time. But anyways. Um, so Florida... <laughs> Florida and Vandy, you can go a lot of different directions in this. You could say Florida looked sleepy early on, had biggest comeback and Yeah, whatever you know, cliche you want to throw out there. Every every cliche about this years. being a sleeper game. That, oh, you you are on point right now. Waking up. Uh down twenty down twenty one to three, they come back and win, all that stuff, yada yada yada. Big for Florida to be able to get that win on the road. My big takeaway from this, and it should be yours, I assume it's yours. Derek Mason and Dan Mullen cage match. Make it happen tomorrow. See, I don't think it was. I don't. I disagree. I don't think it was Mullen at all. It, well, Grantham was, was the was one Grantham. who was, was chirping at first. Of course, Todd Grant yeah. has never yeah, been I shy mean, to, I, to chirp an opposing. I don't coach, understand but. how he, like no one else has picked up on that because out of anybody in the entire, probably the entire country, that you would expect as an assistant coach to start an argument with a player or another coach or just I don't know a person in traffic or like a, a drive-through window like worker any anybody really. He seems like an angry angry elf. He was. If you missed it, there was a, a targeting play, a Florida player targeted um, on, a, on a punt return that Vanderbilt had, and Derek Mason comes over to the injured Vanderbilt player, and he's basically like consoling him, but he's kind of near the Florida sideline. He, it looked like he was saying some stuff to the Florida sideline. Florida sideline. I said last yeah. night. He said, he, there were a lot of F-bombs awesome. that were being said. But I, but I, I like Todd to see like the, the fire and the emotion out of it. I mean, you know, when Vandy and Florida get together, tale as old as time, man. That's a heated rivalry. Sox Yankees, Bama Auburn, Florida Vandy. I, I, it was what was really awkward was the fact that the player was still down on the field and injured when both benches cleared. Yeah, was like, that, was, that was super. Go weird. around him, go around him. Yeah, the Beauchamp Joseph gets uh, ejected because that was his second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty yeah. because technically he left the bench um, after. Well, this first one was a body slam. It was basically a WWE match. It definitely yesterday. was. Yeah, I mean, and so you know, back to like the original question because I've of course taken it off topic. But cage match, power rankings for SEC coaches, I think it's something we've, I mean, they talk about it all the time. We, we talk about this for Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, but what I, we, SEC we need coach to, do you want in a cage match? I'm going to surprise you. I know who your, your first pick is, but my first pick is, is, is vastly different. Um, it, he's right here. You better not say it too loudly. I, Ear Muffet, Coach. Ear Muffet. Ear Muffs. I, I'm going Muschamp. I think Muschamp, if you get him in that moment, 
where he realizes I'm not going to come out of here unless I can just rip the face off of whoever I'm facing. I'm taking Will Muschamp to be the craziest dude in a cage match. I'm telling you right now, and I, I, it's not your fault that you can't see it, and I'm like privileged because I'm hanging out with him, <laughs> but I'm watching Coach O go through a workout right now, and he just has a 32-ounce, I don't even know they made this Red Bull, he's chugging it, and then in between sets of just doing squats with a giant oak in the backyard. He pulled it up out of the ground himself with his bare hands. What anymore in gloves. It's incredible. Yeah. So, People forget that Coach O can beat Tim Tebow in an arm wrestling match. People forget that Coach uh, O is indestructible. And, That's true. Yeah. I mean, he's basically a transformer. Just with worse, like English skills. Regardless. So are you taking your best friend? Yeah, without a doubt. There's no one. There's no one in the country that would beat him, like especially in wrestling. And wrestling's not fake, man. You know what I mean? It's as real as my love for Coach O. I would take Grantham probably second because he seems like he's angry and uh, miserable enough that he would he would like not go away easily. Grantham's the he's the the guy in the posse that just yells though. (laughs) I don't think he's the guy that actually. That actually will throw down. I think he's the guy in the background, you know, the scrappy yeah. dude who just talks a big game and he gets really fiery. But I don't think he's the guy that when push comes to shove, he would actually kind of get in there and mix it around. He seems, Maybe he is. I don't know. He's, Maybe he's just prove me wrong and kind of fight an opposing coach and see where that goes. He seems like the kind of person that, that like, not just once, but, like, constantly gets into, like, a public argument with somebody at, like, a Chili's. So, oh, I didn't ask for medium rare. I said, well done. And then, like, the whole place gets quiet. And you're like, oh, geez, here comes, here comes Grantham again. Yeah. He's not really afraid to make this super awkward. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Todd. Yeah, he, he does seem like the kind of person that, like, always start a public argument. I, so Der- Derek Mason beats Todd Grantham in a cage match. You think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think Derek Mason, for him for even sure. though, yeah, I mean, Derek Mason, let's be honest. We saw yesterday... He got a little bit fiery. He got, you know, we usually don't see that side of him with opposing coaches, but I think if you get him in a situation where he had to find a way and he had to compete, I think that he is in good enough shape to That's be able true. to handle himself against pretty much any SEC coach. Yeah, I mean, I think the worst like possible candidate would be your boy, Joe Moorhead. I would never take him. Oh, that's coach. not even close. I yeah. mean, he's just like the, no. he'd be the hype man. That's all he would be. Yeah, Joe Moorhead would be ringside probably... Um, calculating the best way to do uh, maybe, you know, a, a combo, something yeah, like that. Get stuff. Raekwon Davis involved, you know? Oh, <laughs> so Too soon? here's, here's a, a sleeper for you. Matt Luke. My, one of my buddies said this last night. It's a really good point. Matt Luke looks like he has, like, a, a face that if you punched it, it just wouldn't do anything to him. He'd just be like, ha! Is that all you got? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Let's let's move on to Texas A&M, South yeah, Carolina. Aggies win in Columbia. This game uh, ended up being a little bit closer uh, at the end because South Carolina got that late touchdown, but still a three-point win for the Aggies on the road. My big takeaway from this is not Kellen and believe it or not, it's not even Jake Bentley. It's Braden Mann for Heisman. Yeah. The Texas A&M punter who came into this game leading the country in punt average, by the way, uh, had a 67-yard punt in this game, and oh, he forced a fumble yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a punt return. That is big time for the brand stuff. Shout out Pat McAfee. Jimbo Fisher joked after the game, uh, he can sell popcorn too. You know what's weird to think about is that, like, first off, he had an 82-yard punt a week ago. Yeah, bomb. Yeah, he's, at, at one point, I think he was averaging in that game. He might have ended with it, like, over 60 yards per punt. MVP of the Kentucky game. Yeah, yeah I would say that. I mean, what it's weird to think about is, like, why? Like, yeah, he forced a fumble. He had a pretty big hit. Punters are so much cooler than kickers. Yeah, they kind of I mean, are. I mean, they kind of are. 
They're like the... Except Rodrigo. Our guy, Rodrigo, who was put in a tough spot trying to pull off that fake. But with the exception yeah. of Rodrigo, yeah, I would agree that punters are in, in pretty much cooler than all kickers. Which, yeah, and they're pretty much the same person. But, yeah, they're like the cooler twin. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah, that was that was impressive, though. He, he really... <laughs> I would say he was MVP. Um, Storenberger. 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 Close enough. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he's probably MVP that game. He might be the best tight end in the country right now. Oh, Kellen Mond God. loves him moment. some Jay Sternberger. I'm just saying, if you look at his numbers, he's leading, leading the Aggies in receiving yards. Uh, that, that's a guy that Tim Brewster is going to be bragging about on recruiting ads yeah, for forever, a very long forever. time. I mean, for the next decade. Get ready to see some Are Jay Are you a five-star defensive stuff. back? Why don't you come to A&M? Were we the best tight end in the country? Tim, this makes no sense. Why are you doing this again? Stop trying to promote everything through Jalen Ramsey. This guy was a Kansas freshman. I turned him into an All-American. That's definitely coming to a recruiting ad for sure. Um, Ole Miss and Arkansas, a game that went down to the wire. Ole Miss comes back and escapes War Memorial Stadium with a win. Uh, Credit the Rebels for being able to uh, pull off a fourth-quarter comeback uh, against an Arkansas team that my big takeaway from this game was I wanted to see Arkansas finish that game with Ty Story and Rakeem Boyd. Yeah. And it's a shame that the injury bug bit them. Debois Whaley out as well in this one. Uh, but Boyd had a 69-yard touchdown in the first <sighs> nice. half. Uh, nice. And uh, was looking like the back that we hoped and prayed that he could be when he came from last chance right. Um But looked like an absolute game changer. We talk about the Ole Miss run defense and how porous it is. And he was dominating. And if he, of course, leaves this game early and the Arkansas offense once again struggles to close the game out. And Ty Story also left this game in the fourth quarter. He he was banged up early, but then he took a, a shot in the fourth quarter where he was probably should have gotten out of bounds and not taking this hit. Instead he does and he couldn't even I mean couldn't even stand up. He falls to the ground. And it's a shame because Arkansas was on the verge of pulling off this big time win, uh, getting that first SEC win and ending this losing streak. Yeah. And instead, it's just more late frustration, and you don't feel great if you're an Arkansas I, fan so I about those two guys being banged up. I disagree. I'm not gonna let you sit here and talk bad about the Hogs all day. I ain't gonna do it. Um, I honestly, so going into this, we joke around is like, you know, this is like the basically a, a game to decide who's gonna finish last place in the SEC West. And, you know, both teams' defenses are pretty bad, especially on past D. I, our, I, we, I said on the Facebook Live on Saturday morning, no big deal, that I felt like this was going to be the best game of the day because they seem like they'd be pretty evenly matched. And it seems like there's always a good game between these two. I didn't realize, again, that Ole Miss had lost their last five games to them. And I think there are a lot of positives to take away from this. Yeah, they blew a lead. You know, they were up 27-10 like 30 seconds ago in the first half, gave up that late score. And, you know, they gave up 13 points in the fourth quarter, end up losing the game. I still think there's a lot of positives. They, they look like they're a different team. They've really improved. They just can't seem to get over the hump. My humps. You're lo- yeah. yeah. Uh, John the Don Chavis, uh, his defense allowed over 500 yards to to our guy, JT Jordan Town. Man. Um, that's, that's too bad. That's too bad for John the Don. Uh, he, he's going to have a, a very rough time this week as a cop arresting everybody in sight. <laughs> That much we know. Yeah, that, but the, they, uh, I think they looked really good. I mean, and I'm trying not to say it. I'm trying not to say it, but I'm just going to do it anyway. This is the story of a hurl. Threw another touchdown. He was 12 of 16. Yeah, it sucks that he got injured. I would love to see him finish the game. Um, and Rakeem, boy, yeah, that was, they'll be all right. Arkansas is still stuck on that one win, one win mark at the midway point of the season. Ole Miss 
uh, gets a key SEC victory. We know they don't have, obviously have postseason chances, but still uh, a nice win for Ole Miss. Never Let's lost talk a party. Some mid-season. They what? No, they never lost a party, dude. People say I mean, that. Is that. Yeah, cool? that is true. I didn't think you said party. I thought you said something else, but I'll move on from that. Right, I don't know where you um, Okay. We don't need to discuss that. Um, let's talk some midseason awards because, yes, sadly, we are at the unofficial midway point of the season. Yeah. These are our official mid-season, mid- mid- mid-season awards. These are official, very official. Yeah. There is a, a surprise team in the SEC. You could make the argument for two teams. I think more so you can make the argument for Kentucky uh, to be sitting here at 5-1 and one with the win against Florida, Kentucky in the top 20, and still potentially looking at an early November game against Georgia where we could see the division uh, decided in that game in Lexington with basketball season already under, or pretty much already underway, I think. I don't they had their remember like, when big weekend this weekend. Um, Kentucky, would you say, is the surprise team, or would you go in another direction? I would go another direction, because it's like super cliche. Like I'm actually like just go with like the flow and like the whole crowd. Like I'm gonna stand out. Okay, Kentucky. Yeah, I think that's like the kind of the obvious choice for a lot of play, like a lot of schools, I guess, at the conference. Um, I'm gonna go another direction. How about Florida? Ooh. I, I mean, you have LSU on here, but again, like like I said before the season, like I thought they were gonna have a lot more than six and a half wins. I thought they would be pretty good. I was really high on them the whole time. It's so whatever. We can talk about it. Florida, though. I mean, and the reason I say it's like they – I said before the year, like, they had 20 returning starters, and, like, they should be good. And, you know, they were – they should be a lot better than last year, obviously. But after that Kentucky loss, I think a lot of people kind of thought, like, oh, no, Florida's not very good at all. And ever since they got C.C. Jefferson and David Reese back, that team has been different. And, yeah, they looked, you know, not great early on just against Vanderbilt. But I would, I would say Florida. Yeah, Florida's a good team. Definitely could have been probably a number one candidate for for surprise team just because I, I know that there were some optimistic Florida fans coming yeah. into the year thinking that this team could win nine games, but now that is looking uh, like a, a they have a legitimate chance to and do that. And how about Ole Miss real quick, too, with five wins? Five and two, it's coming. It's, I, mm. All right, well, well, sorry I brought it up. Moving on. <laughs> uh, disappointing team. To me, it's not close. It's Auburn. It's a team that started off in the top 10 this season and has three losses. And I don't know if we Florida just clinched bowl eligibility, by the way, got to six wins. Are we sure Auburn's a seven win team? I, I mean, are, so. are, are we what sure? What's the record right now? They're sitting there four and three. They have coming up next week, uh, they've got Ole Miss, that game on the road in Oxford. Uh, then they've got the bye. And then after that, they host Texas AM. I, I yeah. I might pick. I probably pick Texas A&M to win that game right now. Uh, and then oh, by the way, you got to go to Georgia and then Liberty, which beat Troy yesterday. Uh, Buckshot so Calvert. They got to play Buckshot Calvert. Yeah. Harrison's so not gonna lost. be the best quarterback in any of the remaining games. I, I mean uh, that. Besides the Buckshot uh, Calvert thing, obviously, he's he, he's not gonna be the better quarterback on the field and in five of the four of the last five games. And then you end the season with two up. So I'm looking at that saying. It's, that's two to three more wins. It's hands down. It's Auburn. It's not a question. I mean, yeah. and it's, it's it's a not to pile six, on, se- yeah. six to seven win team. Well, yeah. Um, let's look at how about the this is my meh team um, because everybody talks about you know the the best team in the SEC or the worst team. Yeah. This is my meh team. South Carolina. No team fits that description better than than the Gamecocks who have traded wins and losses every single game yeah. this year. 
uh, coming off off of a loss, obviously to, to Texas A&M. Just an offense that you're just not that excited about. No. You, you thought that maybe you had that big playability. Michael Scarn, give him a chance. Credit Jake Bentley yeah. for responding in that third quarter. Had a huge third quarter after a really bad first half, and his receivers did not give him any help. No. I mean, that that was a bad game for for drops and a group that we've talked about being extremely talented did not play up to the level yeah. that it needs to play I, I at uh, against the Mike Elko defense. That's the meh team. Carolina seems obvious. I, I would probably I hate to say this because I again I'm high on this team. I think they're better than people give them credit for, but Missouri. Missouri's zero three in SEC. Play. I mean, they should have beat Carolina, but yeah, they, they just they don't they don't do they don't. It's like they don't approach games to like win. It's like they approach like not to lose. It's deep. I know. I like that. It's, I read it on one of the things of this Airbnb. I'm basically like living in a Pier One Imports right now. There are so <laughs> many cliches. Coach of the year in the SEC so far. I think you can make good argument for a few guys, and it's basically just the coach of the surprise team. I mean, let's be honest. That's what the coach. Yeah of the year is in every single award it's you can't be a preseason top three team and win coach of the year uh last year kirby smart was the obvious choice right. for coach of the year in the sec this year i think you can make a good case for our guy uh you've got is he still um doing squats with the the tree trunk no in the he's doing pull-ups uh he's like 100 feet in the air right now it's ridiculous that's, he's screaming that's in traffic impressive. it's i don't know he's actually hanging coach out with eagle Coach O has a def- definitely has a good argument for Coach of the Year. Of course, Mark Stoops does as well, the job that he's done in Kentucky. And Dan Mullen, of course, what he has been able to do at Florida in the first part of the season. Is there anybody in that group of three that you would look at and say, you could make a really good argument that they deserve Coach of the Year uh, attention at least? I mean, it's it's. I think it'll be at the end of the season, uh, co-Coaches of the Year. It'll be Stoops and Orgeron. And I think it's deserved for both. I agree. I don't, I mean, Mullen walked into a pretty fortunate situation, I think, in Florida, like I know they were a four-win team last year, and, and McIlwain was the worst. But yeah, I mean you're you're in Florida, like you have 20 returning starters. What what Orgeron with that schedule, what he's been able to do this early? Because we talked about it for the season, like that had the possibility of just going off the rails quick if they lost like one or two games, and they just have not done that. And I would say it's more impressive Agreed. than Kentucky because you know Kentucky's had what two road games. Yeah, went to Texas A&M, went to Florida. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, they've had they've had a great year. I mean, like that's their whole season's made because the Florida thing. But I would probably say I would I would lean with Kojo over Stoops. Um, and I I should have said this before with with Florida, but uh, if Jim McElwain is still coach of Florida, Florida loses that game yesterday by three touchdowns. There's no way they come back and win that game. Dan Mullen if, made some some key adjustments, and Florida shooting itself in the foot early on, but. Yeah, that, that team collapses with Jim McElwain, and they did yeah. not do that with, with Dan Mullen, so credit to him. How about biggest upset, I think, of, of the year so far in the SEC? I think we saw it yesterday with, yeah. with Auburn losing to Tennessee at home. 16-point favorite Auburn lost to a team that hasn't won an SEC That's game. That's the reason, uh, yeah, not even like the point spread. It's just the fact that like they had, they had lost their – Tennessee had lost their last game against every other school in the conference. It's crazy. It's bad. Yeah. That's definitely biggest upset. Maybe we're going to have more, uh, an even bigger upset in the next couple weeks here. There could be some potential for that. How about defensive MVP? I think there are two runaway candidates for this. I'd go with Grant Delpit, the safety at LSU, who has just been a game changer. Yeah. I think he leads them in tackles for loss. 
uh, sacks and interceptions. He is the definition of a playmaker in Dave Aranda's secondary. And then you have to make an argument, of course, for, for Josh Allen, the Kentucky linebacker, who has just been everything and more for that group, yeah. the heart and soul of that team. See, I, I, would think think I would give it to, to Josh Adorno. Allen um, way more than Delpit. I will say Dejon Harris from Arkansas. He's not going to get any yep. kind of publicity because he's you know in Arkansas. Um, and then Isaiah Bugs from Bama, and De- and actually Quentin Williams that on that D line. Yeah, like he's he's been really good. But yeah, Josh Allen, I think he, he's just no one, no player means more to their team or like you know that unit than he does. Might have a good argument for overall MVP if you consider that. Oh uh, Tua would probably have be the consensus choice, but if you put Jalen Hurts in an Alabama, Alabama still wins a ton of games. Yeah. So just the, the roster replacement of take him out, what are they And mean? also maybe Malzahn's um, play calling. That seems to be like the best defense at, like, that Auburn's faced all year. Shout out Gus Malzahn, Chip Lindsey. This has not been the best episode for y'all. Um, offensive MVP, I, I know I they were just on by. I mean, is it Benny Snell? Is it Tua? Why would it be Benny Snell? Because take him out of that offense, and what are they? I, they got neighbor Terry Wilson. He's, he throws the ball. He does things. Yeah, right, yeah. When I said it, it didn't feel good. But, like, I don't think he can be the, the offensive MVP or player of the year when he's not even leading the conference in, in total rushing yards or rushing touchdowns. Sure. I mean, I don't want to be cliche and say Tua, but Tua does have 21 touchdown passes and no interceptions. Tua would get my vote yeah. as well. I mean, also, like, Tamu. Tamu. No, it's probably it's, I, I still can't get over how, how rough of games he had against LSU and Bama. And if you're saying that somebody is the best player in the conference, they should probably look like a really good player against good competition and not just. I mean, you're saying a lot on, of things that have teams. logic and reason in them. I don't like it. So I'm going to take it as disrespect. I mean, I would like to just. There has to be a place on the team for our favorite names with Scotty Phillips and neighbor Terry Wilson. Best backyard barbecue, well, Terry Wilson, Scotty Phillips. Those two. Not even close. Good, man. man. You talk about a dynamic. They got a seven-layer bean dip that will blow your mind, knock your socks off. Uncle Chris, tell us about some gambling. So every week we go over uh, the best games, best picks, all that. I had a I had a good day yesterday. Went nine and six. I mean, after a rough start, it was oh one and three to start the weekend. It was not great. Um, So yeah, nine and six. Uh, Shout out to our friends at mybookie.com. Make sure you go over to mybookie.com. Use the promo code SDS. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. After 7 p.m., use the promo code SDS25. They will match your initial deposit up to 100% and give you extra $25. You can spend that on whatever. Gambling, hot dogs. I did both yesterday. Got a real bad tummy ache afterwards. Not great. Regardless, going into week eight. Ugh, that does. I don't like that. I know. Let's just say we're going into the weekend. Yeah. All right. I like that. Okay. So 68 and 36 on the year. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. That's pretty good. I mean, yesterday was, was close to being really bad. Um, yeah. There have not been any lines listed because it's still before noon on, on Sunday. But next week's matchups. Ooh, let's guess some spreads. What's that? Let's guess some let's spreads. Let's guess okay. some spreads then. So first up, Tulsa at Arkansas. Wish I, yeah. Oh. I want to come out like hot with like the best matchup of the day. <laughs> Tulsa just upset um, South Florida. No, they lost. Never mind. No, they yeah. lost. They blew it late. They should have won that right. game. Actually, uh, Herb Street said on College Game Day, he's like, as we saw with Tulsa upsetting South Florida, and they're like, uh, Herbie, you went to bed, yeah. and South Florida came back and won that game. Uh, no, I, I think that Arkansas will be a slight, maybe like a, 
a four-point favorite? You're out of your mind. It's going to be double digits. It's an SEC team, third home. They have, this is the story of a her. I'm going to say, I'm going to say nine and a half. I'm saying the North Texas loss is going to matter more than you think. Well, North Texas is good, especially against North the spread. Texas is good, but Tulsa is apparently not that bad because they hung around with South All Florida. right, rapid fire. we got to keep it moving. Uh, up next, Memphis at Missouri. Memphis is a pretty good football team. They did lose at Tulane. Nearly, nearly beat oh, UCF. Man. Should have beaten UCF, was held scoreless in the second half of that one. Mizzou's going to be favored in this, um, but not by as much as you might think. I think Mizzou ends up only being like a six-point favorite. The over-under this game is going to be at least 75. Oh, it's going to be huge. Um, Especially if, if Mizzou can get Emmanuel Hall back, too. Yeah, that'd be um, that'll, that'll I think you're spot, I think you're spot on. I think it would be six and a half. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'm going to say five and a half because it, I just want to be different than you and better, obviously, so... Um, all right, next game, Vandy at Kentucky. What? That's going to be a fun mm. one. In primetime, too, 7.30. Can't wait. Vegas hates Kentucky <laughs> I, I, and loves Vandy. For whatever reason, just holding on to that Notre yeah, Dame that loss is. so much. Um, I'm going to say that Kentucky is an eight-point favorite. Well, that's a good guess. I'm, I'm going to say six and a half. And yeah, you're right though. That's spot on. Vegas does hate Kentucky. It's strange. Yeah, and they really strange. high in Vanderbilt. That, that line yesterday. Um, okay, Auburn at Ole Miss, noon kickoff, brunch at the Grove. Gosh. And Vegas loves Auburn, so um, there's no way Auburn can be favored in this game, what? right? Yes, yes, yes. They were definitely. There's favored. no way. Ole Miss has like their Ole Miss's defense is ranked 103rd or worse in all four major statistical categories. And Auburn's offense is what? They don't have one, I don't think. They're going to just play defense the whole time. I think Ole Miss is a half-point favorite. If I was a betting man, gonna... I'd be naked in a, in a Toyota Tundra <laughs> under a bridge somewhere in, to, in Topeka. You know what I mean, man? Come on now. Anyway, um, I think Auburn's definitely favored. I would say they're probably going to be favored by three and a half. That's, man. I, You're going to bet on Ole Miss I, to beat Auburn? I, sh- I think I might. Wow. He said it not If me. there's ever a get right if there's ever a get right game for Auburn though, it is the Ole Miss defense. But I, I, actually, I, I, I think that Ole Miss actually, you know what? Okay, because I, I went against what I said at the start, that, that Vegas loves Auburn. Yeah. So you know what? I'm gonna i I'll, I'll I'll put that nope. that, that nope. point you said the it. half point back. No, no no, I'm gonna put the half point back in favor of Auburn. I'm gonna say Auburn's favored by half a point to open. Okay. Um Mississippi State at LSU. Oh god, here we go. LSU, as I learned. Yeah. Uh, LSU is still not getting a ton of love from from Vegas, but I still think at home... At night, 7 o'clock start. At night, this is uh, uh, maybe a nine-point favorite. You're out of your mind. Mississippi State's coming off a bye. LSU has a huge emotional win last week. I'm going to say seven and a half. You get like seven points just for Death Valley. I know, but, well, not really, because they were, what, eight-point underdogs against Georgia, which was ridiculous. Yeah, but it's like central time zone as the crow flies. You don't get it. Good yeah. point. Um, I forgot about that. Then last but not least, Bama at Tennessee. World beaters, Tennessee. In Knoxville. Knox, Vegas. Bama, I'm going to say this real quick. Good, good for Tennessee fans to at least have the victory against Auburn going into this Alabama game. Not to have, like, a false confidence but just to not feel like this is going to be the absolute worst thing in the world and you saw some good things from Jeremy Pruitt's yeah. defense having said that 
I still think that Bama ends up being a 26 that, point yeah. favorite, but they're gonna they're gonna wait on this spread because they're gonna wait on the health of Tua. So I'm gonna say, I was gonna say 17 and a half. Um, let's say 22. I'll say 22, and the reason why is because Bama's got an off week the next, the following week, and it's it's, it's a it's big a rivalry week. But like, you know, they're not gonna show a lot. I think going into this. So those are our projected lines. You're feeling 22. We could say. Yeah, I love me some T Swift, man. Yeah, Way uh, let's close things out with uh, it might mean too much. And I preface this by saying I have no problem with doing this. I, I just like the over-the-top fan things. And this is this is a cultural yeah. thing. I thought it was so cool. I watched this and was like, this is awesome. I wish I could see this every single week. Coach O is probably going to try and do this as well. Uh, Braden Fajoko, I think that's how you say his name? I, I'm not sure. I'm not a pronunciation I'm not guy. On that. His dad and his brother met him uh, in the, you know, when they're doing the Tiger Walk, yeah. all that stuff, and he gets up to them and he's wearing their jerseys and they just stop. And they do this intense, like, war dance. I think it's called the Haka. Yeah, it is. And um, Mark Clements tweeted this video. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go get on Twitter and, and find this video. Get on SDS. We, we posted it as well. It is so intense. If you can watch this minute video and not get pumped up and want to run through a wall, check your pulse. Because this is as good as it gets. It turns out his dad, uh, Vili, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. He was an entertainer at the University of Hawaii football and volleyball games. And it showed because I, I was ready to go after watching this. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, I've, I've seen it before, I think, in Moana. Great movie. Yeah. Great movie. No, it really is. It really is. It, like, that, it's a very, very proud culture. That was, that was pretty cool. We need more of that. But me and you can't do it. I want... I need to see. Can you ask Coach O if he'd be willing to do He's that? He's been for doing us? the Cupid Shuffle outside for a, quite some time. Cupid Shuffle is so past its bottomless prime. mimosas, topless Coach O. I'm so excited for brunch today. <laughs> what's What's the craziest thing you've ever done to get yourself before a game? Because people forget you were a college baseball player. To get like pumped up. Yeah, to get pumped up before a game. I mean, I play, I mean I what's the craziest thing? Oh, I drank like a bunch of No Explode one time and I struck out. That's the worst. I, mean, I don't know, like. Oh no! You know what I did in in high school? I remember in high school, um, I ate two. Oh, like if somebody was like, "You need to like, get some protein, like you know, for the games." It's not like an endurance sport. It's baseball, and I was like the DH. It's not. I ate two Subway foot long cheesesteaks. I think oh, I had like a good game, but it was because it's high school pitching. That was the worst. I don't understand life or nutrition. Oh, that's. <laughs> We will do, we will save five-star reviews for Wednesday. Make sure you please send those in, rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We are scheduled to have a guest from the SEC Network. We're still finalizing when we're going to have that. I'll tell you about that later. He may or may not have been on the call for a certain SEC game, and he may or may not have a certain connection to uh, a friend of ours. I love that. Say that. So make sure you're still watching Facebook Live every Monday night, every Saturday morning. Make you some money with Uncle Chris. Right. You're keeping people rolling in it. Follow us on Instagram, at Saturday Night South. Follow us on Twitter, at the SDS Pod, at C Marler SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Can you bring Coach O inside and tell the people the most important message? I, I can't right now because he's, he's, I think it's like a cockfighting thing, but it's with a bald eagle. I, he's got a lot going on. That's not legal. No, well, I mean, it's fine. I'm, I'm definitely going to gamble on it, so just you know, keep it hush hush. But yeah, I'll, you know, I'll channel them for you. They might need too much, Connor. Week, uh, whatever it is, week, week eight. We don't need to talk about that. Is 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 coming? Uh, a week is coming. Yeah, that's fine. We'll say that. Talk to you Wednesday. <laughs>